On this week's full-time roundup, Syria A stays tight at the top, Arsenal to continue to struggle while Man City reload, plus a few more potential coaching changes, and Daniel tells us about possibly the best championship side ever. Full-time roundup starts right now. And welcome into the latest edition of the full-time roundup. Matt Gesslin here, joined as always by my good friend, Daniel Brackett. Daniel, it's 5.10 on a Sunday here in Charlotte. The sun is still beaming in my window. Winter is here, but it's also a sign of spring to come. I don't know if it makes me excited when it's not dark by five o'clock. It is a plus. It was in the fifties today. So I got, got to be outside and enjoy the weather played pickleball, which you were saying is only for old people, but, uh, I mean, maybe our listeners can sound off here in the comments and, and let Matt know how wrong he is about that. But uh, it, was, it was a good weekend. I'm going to play pickleball. I'll, I'll go ahead and just get the real court and play tennis. But uh, neither here nor there. So that's okay. Yeah, feel free <laughs> to chime away at us on, on pickleball, where you stand on that. Absolutely. And we had uh, a lot of cup games this weekend. Um, so a, a lot of content to enjoy. But uh, I felt like most of the favorites won. But we'll start with the league that was playing this weekend in Serie A. So, you know, starting first game of, of the weekend, Inter scraped by with a last-second goal. Um, you know, it looked for a while like they were going to draw here and, you know, maybe give Juventus a, a chance to sneak in. But, you know, Lotaro Martinez being back and, you know, they're back to winning ways. Yeah, I mean, it was a never know. I mean, Hells Verona is not going to be Hells Verona is not going to be, uh, you know, one of those teams that could have put a, a damper on the season. But never know, and and you got to play the games, right? That's why you get out there and actually play, not just what's on paper. And they did squeak by. You texted me early in the morning, and and I wasn't really quite paying attention to this one. And of course, a late a late winner, uh, you know, ninety fifth or ninety plus five, I think it was, or. 90 plus three, excuse me, for the winner there. Um, and so, yeah, you, you just got to take the three points where you get them. A big, a big win coming after the, you know, the break in uh, Coupa Italia. Um, so, you know, you got to put three points on the board. And then right behind them today, Daniel Juventus, who who we talked about, they played this team in the in the cup and won 6-1, uh, and, and they squeaked by as well. So it's one of those things, again, we we kind of joked about this matchup being 4-1 or 5-0, or um, but you you got to play the games, and, and when you play an opponent twice in a row, that's also not surprising too. We saw that in the Premier League uh, and and uh, Cup in England with FA with um, Manchester United and West Ham earlier. So it it happens, um, and you got to be prepared. But again, the big the big point here was both teams get three points and stay at the top two points of each other. Yeah, and these teams, especially Juve, are they just continue to leave it late and, you know, be able to earn these three points. Maybe their luck will run out at some point this season. So they'll probably want to win more games convincingly, but, you know, Allegri's men continue to step up to the plate when needed. And we got ourselves a, a Serie A title race now, which is, which is super exciting. Um, on the other hand of, of good, we have bad here and Napoli, their fall from grace still hung over from winning, uh, last year, and they lose 3-0 on the road to Torino. Not good. Not good at all. Uh, and and we thought, you know, that they were kind of turning a corner at some point, and and then they have another setback here. So uh, seventh place now on the table, which is of course 
not where you want to be, uh, especially with with how far behind they are uh, of of Inter and of Juventus, which we just touched on. So, you know, I think from again, you touched on it a little bit with it being a hangover season. Of course, the first time in a an extended time, I believe, thirty plus years that they won the league last year. So you kind of, you know, you kind of take it for what it's worth. Of course, they're still in the Champions League as well. Um, you know, so they're they're still in in, in a lot of you know they're actually down to ninth now uh, with the updated table after the games played today. So uh, you know, it's a really dire situation there, but. Kind of have a little bit of grace after winning the season, winning the league last year, um, and, and of course you have some big players, big talents uh, on that roster just underperforming this season, and you hope to get a little bit more out of them uh, between now and the rest of the season. What's concerning is Osiman, uh maybe even Zelensky will probably be on their way out in the summer after uh, a great year. So it'll be, you know, how are they going to rebuild, reload, and get a manager that that fits their style? So. A lot of questions going forward for Napoli, but uh, should be interesting. And, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a coach that's been, you know, struggling as of late. But, you know, AC Milan get a big result here against Empoli, one of the worst teams in the league, I will say. But it was a convincing 3 0 win. Yeah. You know, Pioli needed this one. Of course, they they kind of keep in touch. Uh, now, three points clear of Fiorentina in, in, four, in third place. They were starting to lose that gap. Uh, excuse me, six points uh, clear of them. So they were starting to to narrow that gap, and they get a little bit more separation. There's still an outside shot at the title. You know, nine points back of of Inter, um, seven points back of Juventus. Outside, it's an outside shot there. But again, like I said, you're kind of keeping space between you and fourth, so you keep that European spot. But again, it's still early. They can turn things around. They have the talent, uh, and, and can purely write the ship. And you know, he's done a lot with with what's been going on, injuries, you know, players out um, for for various reasons. So he's done a nice job, kind of writing the ship here a little bit, and uh, and kind of getting AC in a better place. Now, again, it's going to probably be looked at as a disappointment. You're out of the Champions League this year after going to the semifinals last season. You're, you're again in third place behind your inner city rivals by nine points. So, you know, positives and negatives. But um, at this point in the season, I think third place is probably respectable for where they've been and, and what they what they have around them. One name I'm going to shout out here, and it's a player that we, we love here in the United States, Christian Pulisic, six goals, five assists assist in uh, 17 matches uh arguably milan's best player this season and uh it's really good to see you know pulisic have probably his best season in europe uh at least since his dortmund days and uh you also have weston mckinney and timothy way on juventus who are pushing for the title so you know this is syria has been really good to americans so far and i keep the i hope the good times continue to roll here um now We've been really tough on, on this other team that I'm about to talk about. And actually, they, they kind of slowly and quietly climbed their way up the table, especially without their best striker, Immobile. I'm talking about Lazio. Another win this week against Udinese. They now sit seventh right outside of Europa Conference League spot, um, right behind Atalanta, who drew um, Roma today. So... This, you know, this European football stack is starting to get really competitive and it's going to be really interesting to see what teams kind of hit the ground running uh, in 2024. Yeah, of course, Bologna, who tied on Friday as well, they had a chance to kind of give themselves an, a little bit of cushion with Fiorentina for that fourth spot. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a battle. We touched on it the last couple episodes here too. We thought AC was kind of slipping, like I said, a little bit a minute ago uh, to kind of be in that fourth 
fourth place to sixth place battle, but they've kind of righted the ship, like I just said. And and but yeah, you still have what Fiorentina, Bologna, Atlanta, Lazio, Roma. You have five teams fighting for three spots essentially for Europe uh, in Italy. So it'll be you know a, a hard fought battle to the end. And all all five teams are very talented. Couple of the teams that we talked about, you know, just underperforming or uh, not meeting expectations this year, so they're going to be around to the end. Uh, it's going to be a great battle in Syria. Uh, Dan, you know, you mentioned Christian Pulisic and and I and the boys, uh, you know, Timothy Weah and Weston McKinney, of course. You know, the the American contingent. Wonder how you feel about you know Syria uh, just as that stepping stone. Of course, it's it's top five football. They had a great season last year, not only domestically as a as a league but of course in europe being in a lot of the you know the major finals or semi-finals as a nation very you know a lot of work has been done at the italian federation to get from where it was because i think we can all agree italian soccer was a little bit in, in a bad spot more recently than not so i mean is this a good is this a good place for u.s soccer with these guys getting that play or is it you know, going from the Bundesliga to the Premier League for for Christian's instance, and then taking a step backwards to go to to Inter or to AC Milan. Excuse me. Like, how how do you view that going forward? Obviously, it's not a weak league by any means, but it's not the Premier League or the Bundesliga. I don't want to take anything away from you know our players playing in in Serie A. I I would say it's you know, it I would say the three leagues that are better are the Pr Premier League, Bundesliga, and La Liga, but I mean, I, I feel like the quality of Serie A has improved, uh, especially with this year, seeing, you know, all the Italian teams going somewhat far in their respective competitions. Um, any playing time is good playing time. And when you play for the best team in the country, I think that's great. I mean, it was just last year when East Milan and Inter Milan made it to the core or semifinals of the Champions League. So these aren't bad soccer teams. So I wouldn't take anything away from that. Um, but, you know, I think the end goal for at, at a U.S. national team perspective is to have them play for the Barcelonas, Real Madrid's, Liverpool's, teams like that, Manchester City. So that's kind yeah, of and of course, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And I, I think one of where I was getting at was just the the point of Christian and everyone, you know, kind of riding Chelsea the way that they did for not playing him and, and thinking it was his it was the, the club's fault. You know, I think there's a little bit of, of kind of growing up as a, as a player too. And I think you're seeing that now with, with taking that next step. We've talked about this before. Sometimes you need a fresh start. Uh, you know, you're looking at a new player coming in from back to the premier league from the Bundesliga in uh, Timo Werner that could just use a fresh start after what he went through here that first time around. So wasn't a you know a knock on U.S. soccer. More just curious because I think again there was a lot of a lot of talk when when Christian left to go to AC Milan. Oh, be, he needs this because he's better than Chelsea and he wasn't getting playing time. It's like well, I think he also needed to take a little step back and kind of evaluate where he is. And, and like you said, being in in a in a league that's growing uh, and him growing as that player too. I think you're seeing him take that next step forward. Now you mentioned. You know, on that next echelon of, of teams, of course, Liverpool, Daniel was one of them, and they had a big game, the game of the weekend in the FA Cup this weekend against Arsenal. Um, of course, the FA Cup, we'll get to it a little bit more because it did dominate the the headlines as well as the score lines this weekend. But this was the biggest game of the weekend in England, no doubt about it, Daniel. Who has 
who is this a bigger result for? Of course, if you didn't watch the game, Liverpool went out 2-0 against Arsenal, uh, knock Arsenal out of the FA Cup. The the draw will be tomorrow um, for round four ahead of Manchester United versus Wigan. But again, who is this a bigger result for, Daniel? A Liverpool side that played a, a, a second side, if you will, or an Arsenal side that have now lost three games in a row in all competitions? I would say Liverpool just for the fact that this was the first game without Salah. So we needed to prove to ourselves that we can win without, you know, the guy who's been our best player of the season, arguably. So, but obviously on, on the flip side, Arsenal, you know, losing three in a row is, is a crisis now for Arteta's men. Have they lost confidence in front of the net? Like, you know, what's going wrong with that? So it'll be interesting to see how each team responds in the next game and maybe, you know, that'll answer our question that you're asking now. But I don't know. I think it was a, a crucial result for, for both teams here. Yeah, I think Liverpool is obviously the happier, right? Um, you could even hear Jurgen kind of talking about it after the game in a kind of a, I didn't really expect to win this game type of voice. Um, you know, not that they diminished the FA Cup, but of course they have a semifinal of Carabao Cup on Wednesday, which is a little further along. I think, as you know, some of these teams earlier rounds, they don't take these tournaments as seriously. And then once they hit a certain point, semifinal, final, you, you look at it differently. But he kind of was giddy in the way that he was talking after the game. Of course, it's a big game, so that's probably part of it. But yeah, I think Liverpool, you know, putting out a, a B-side, you mentioned you no know, Mosala, which I don't think he was going to play in this regardless if he was available, but still good to see them score without him. I, I am worried about Arsenal, though. Daniel, this is now, you know, three in a row in all competitions. Like I said, they, they, you mentioned their struggles up front. They cannot find the back of the net. Of course, no goals today. Uh, they were held to one goal against Fulham and, and, and zero against West Ham as well. So you're kind of getting concerned there. One win in six, um, you know, Ooh. for Arteta. And the biggest thing from my perspective is that you lost to the team ahead of you directly in the table, right? Liverpool is at the top. And they're setting the the standard or the the pace that you need to keep up at. And you went head to head with them with a pretty strong lineup. If you look at Arsenal's lineup against the B-sided Liverpool, and Liverpool got the better of you. So it's it's kind of a double whammy here, right? You get knocked out by them, but then you're also not at the pace of the of the leader of the league that you're trying to win. Yeah, the, I thought the most disrespectful move this uh, for this game was when it was like the 70th minute, still tied, and Jurgen makes the sub and puts on Owen Beck and Connor Bradley, the kids, for the rest of the game. And then we score, which is just hilarious. I mean, it was obvious that, you know, Jurgen was out of all competitions. Even the commentator said this is probably the least important at this moment. So the fact that, you know, we roll out a, a pretty a pretty mid-XI and we still get the job done, I'm, I'm super happy about it. And this, is, this was a very winnable game for Arsenal. Arsenal probably outplayed Liverpool, to be honest. But, I mean, their efficiency in front of net, you know, you, you look for your big players to step up on these occasions, and I thought Bukai Saka was nowhere to be found. Um, Martinelli came in later. Um, even Trossard didn't didn't look great. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like maybe Nketiah could have made the difference here, but still really disappointing for, for Arsenal's uh, standpoint. 
It is interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what Mikel Arteta does. He's got a lot of problems, not only just in his roster, but finding an 11 that he can trust to go out and get a result right now, right? And that's, as a manager, one of the scariest places to be. You're not sure who you can put out there that can get you a point, um, which right now they'll take. The On the flip side of that, though, of course, there is a manager who knows exactly what he's getting, knows his best 11 players. And Daniel, he also added to that best 11 today. It was great to see Kevin De Bruyne come back, get a few minutes off the bench, um, three goal contributions in 15 minutes. Once he came on, they win 5-0, of course, against Huddersfield. Wasn't to be you know, too much of a challenge, but um, more so Kevin De Bruyne back, a free transfer, if you will. He hasn't played all season. And, and, and honestly, take aside the fact that he plays for Manchester City, Daniel, it, it's just when you get to see players of this quality playing on the pitch, it's exciting to watch, and that's why you watch the game. I mean, that that assist to Doku was just world class. Signing of the season, I think it's it's fair to say, um, jokingly, obviously, but yeah, this was uh, the result I didn't want to see. They're getting healthy at the perfect time, as everyone is, you know, still working through just the fixture congestion that we have going on. It's not good. They're I feel like they're going to start, you know, going on this classic Man City role of winning like. 15 games in a row and it's going to be like decide on the last day. So, I mean, it is the FA cup and they did play a weekend opponent, but I know I'm sure the, even when their subs come on, they score. So just not a good, not a good feeling for a rival. Yeah. And of course you guys are looking at them right behind you on the table. You're getting a little nervous with that run. I don't that like they can go on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another team, Daniel, of course, we don't need to harp on that one too much. That was an expected result against Huddersfield. Another expected result, um, Chelsea four nil Preston Newton, Newton and though kind of made it more challenging than it needed to be, to be honest, it was, you know, zero, zero at half. Uh, and then Chelsea opened the gates in the second half winning four nil. <sighs> Here's the deal with this one for me, Daniel. City wins 5-0, <laughs> and everyone thinks the world is great and hunky-dory. Chelsea win 4-0. Yes, the first half was terrible. So was the first half for City. By the way, this is not a comparison to say Chelsea are anywhere near the same level of Manchester City. But we win 4-0, and the world kind of feels like it was a ho-hum, oh, yeah, that was not really that impressive of a game. I mean, Chelsea scored four goals in the game. I mean, to me, that's an impressive stat in itself. So I was I was super in, impressed with the youngsters that came on. It was a poor first half, like I said. And, and a, a few of the academy kids came on that are young, like I said, some youngsters that need that were going to get some minutes at this point of a tournament. And and they really changed the game. And and it looked like there was some elements that Chelsea could find going forward. They it's it's not there yet. Um, but this was a perfect type of game to kind of see what you have and and who could come in for you for the long term. Chelsea, four, Preston, zero, fourth tie, banner. I'm going to get that for your wall since it, you know, you feel so upset about Twitter not not talking about your Chelsea. What, a, blues, what disrespect? What disrespect? Hey, keep keep that disrespect. It's obviously it's obviously working, keeping the chip on the shoulder for them. So hey, let's win. You know, let's try to win two in a row now. Let's use this as a launching pad. That's that's the thing with Chelsea that you know we never seem to get is you know you, you get a couple wins and then it's always a step back. So we'll we'll see. But I'm glad glad the boys got a win for you. Um, we also want to hit on you know the the beauty of the cup. So sixth tier advance to the fourth round. Uh, Wrexham versus Shrewsbury. Uh, Bristol City gets a was it a point uh, against West Ham, so a nice draw there, kind of punching above their weight. You know, you were kind of tough on Moyes 
midweek and you seem like you uh, know what you're talking about after this result. Yeah, and and the beauty of the cup too is just like you said. I mean, the fact that some of these teams, you know, made Maidstone is is a sixth tier team, and and they come in and and they advance, you know, to to the fifth round, which is amazing. Again, to just put that in perspective, because a lot of you guys have now been following Wrexham for for the great story out there. This league is below where Wrexham was, and they are now into the fifth round of the FA Cup. I mean, that is what you know that. Again, we don't have this in this country quite yet. We we thought we were getting it with the U.S. Open Cup, uh, and that's what you want from you know a, a tournament like the U.S. Open Cup, where basically this is the equivalent of, of a Thursday night men's league coming to to play you know against the biggest teams in in the in the country. So uh, that's that's why we enjoy the cup, especially these early round games. When again, you're not getting big name teams. You'll get them eventually. You know, same with the Carabao Cup. It starts early with some poor squads, and now you're at the semifinals where you're you're really you know the the headliners a little bit. So it's it's just a beautiful tournament, and and why we love the sport. Of course, this happens in all leagues and all in all countries in Europe. So we're just focusing on the FA Cup right now, but um, just a, a, a tournament, Daniel. That I know I I enjoy thoroughly, um, and I know a lot of people that love the sport really enjoy it for this purpose. Again, like I said, that you never know you get, you get an opportunity to play and, and you put the best 11 out there and any given day, you can beat whoever you're playing against. Give me the Cinderella story every single time. I love it. I love it. Now we got Carabo cup predictions here. First game on the docket on Tuesdays, Chelsea versus Middlesbrough. We just talked about, let's get a couple wins in a row. This is the perfect opportunity for you guys to do that it is and also it's a big one in in the sense that this is a two-legged um semi-final as well so could could chelsea put a a good performance on tuesday uh, and give themselves some space for the second leg to not have to worry or, or kind of put out a lesser squad especially given the congestion now we're not as congested as say liverpool who have you know uh europa as well as part of their schedule but you still don't want to have to be playing as many games with your starting lineup if you don't have to of course chelsea play fulham on the weekend in the premier league as well so you're you're looking ahead at that way so again you know middlesbrough being a, a championship side you want you want to see a good secondary performance coming out of Preston. Uh, but also, again, you want to kind of put this one to bed early. I think we do. I think there's a good chance this one is 2-0 um, early. And, and again, doesn't sound like much, but 2-0 in, in a two-legged draw is a, is a huge, huge positive. So I'm going to go 2-0, even and especially since it's you know in Middlesbrough. So that would be big as well. Um, and then you know, Fulham, Fulham for and Liverpool for me. This one is kind of a coin flip. Not going to lie, because it depends on what Jurgen's going to put out there. With you know, again, you guys are going on a break. Um, you'll have your winter break here, as you don't have a Premier League game on the weekend. But you just had a big game, which you know you did play a lot of your players that you needed to, especially with Virgil sick and and um, you know a couple other guys out. So that'll be interesting to me. I still think you guys get it done. Uh, probably you know two one or, or three one. It's it's a tougher opponent than a Middlesbrough though for sure. It is. Um, so I'm going to also back Chelsea in this game. I think it will be a little bit more difficult being at Borough. They're going to really sit back and, you know, try to survive the first 60 minutes and then really go at Chelsea. So if you can get an early goal, I feel like that really puts away the tie. And then for the Liverpool game, um, you know, I think Jota got off the bench today. I think he'll start, which will be really good for, you know, putting – balls in the back of that he just has that knack of whenever he's on the field he he scores or assists or has a goal contribution um yeah i'm gonna back us i'm gonna say three one um 
I, I really think, you know, like you said, Liverpool's going to want to get the tie done early as soon as possible. So I think they're going to come out the gate swinging. We get an extra day of rest. Thank you. Uh, care about cup for that. Appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we, you know, see you in the final. And, and there's one other uh, cup I want to talk about too. That's, that's happening similarly kind of thing to the care about cup is the Spanish super Copa. Uh, which is this week as well, Daniel. That is Wednesday and Thursday. Of course, the big one on Wednesday is Real Madrid versus Atletico Madrid. Uh, any thoughts there? And then the second day on Thursday is going to be Barcelona uh, versus Osasuna. Oh, I always get this one wrong. Osasuna. Osasuna. And so, which way? Of course, Barcelona took care of business today. It was never easy as always. But uh, of the two, give me a winner in Real Madrid, Atletico, and then Barcelona, Osasuna. Ooh, I'm going to go, it is in, oh, wow, they're going all the way to Saudi Arabia as well. I didn't didn't realize that. Um, but all right, so I'm going to do Real Madrid, and I'm going to do Barcelona. Give me an El Clasico final. Added to the list, we had a few last year as well. That will be a great way to kind of cap it off again. Uh, the final is that weekend as well, so that will be interesting. If they can keep it, uh, they would play on, I believe, Sunday would be the final for that one, so keep an eye out for that. But – Daniel, of course, it's been a weird, um, weird schedule of late, as you can imagine, folks, with with cups and and festive fixtures and teams and leagues taking breaks. Uh, we do have the return of the Bundesliga this week, though, so we'll cover that on our Thursday show. Give you some predictions. We'll recap and remind you where that league sits, as it's been over three weeks since they played any games. But um, you know, it's still a fun league to get back into. And then we'll have our normal schedule, so uh, things will return back to normal. We'll have you know midweek games. Uh, that we'll cover on Thursday, prediction show on Thursday, and we'll have a full slate of domestic leagues going every single weekend from here on out as we are now back into the swing of things. But on the other side of the break, we are going to start talking about a few more just general discussion items, Daniel. I know this is something that we've wanted to do as part of the show, and so uh, we have a few that we want to chat with you guys. Of course, you can follow us and interact with us on X at Full Time Roundup. Let us know how you think of any of these topics that we're talking about. Chime in get us, and get involved. Um, as also, download, like, subscribe the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. And on the other side of the break, like I said in the tease, Daniel is going to tell us about maybe the best championship side ever. So if you're a little bit into some championship history, stick around. We'll be right back after the break. And welcome back. Like I said, as we went into the break, Daniel, we are trying to play around with some new segments this year, trying to change things up on the show. Of course, we we're still evolving, learning how to do this ourselves. And we love you guys for listening for as long as you have and as much as you have. But we want to get a little bit more into broader discussions as part of the, the show so you guys can understand where we sit on football, as well as just give you guys some views of some of the storylines that are out there this year. Uh, and, and you know, there's constantly storylines throughout the year. And sometimes Daniel makes some stuff up. Sometimes I make some stuff up and we chat about it as hypothetical. So uh, that'll be part of this segment. Um, and of course, again, you can interact with us on X. Let us know uh, this will not take part or place of our XI of the week. That will be back as well. Like I said, before the break, we are in a back to our normal ways as far as schedule is concerned. So the first topic, Daniel, of course, I think one that we haven't touched on quite yet, but a big one in the world of soccer uh, is that Carlo Ancelotti was scheduled or basically primed to take the Brazilian national manager role after the season in the summer. Well, things have changed. He has now signed a contract at Real Madrid till 2026. So we're looking at arguably the biggest 
national squad in the terms of the sport without a manager. And I'm curious who you think are, are going to replace, you know, a, a very interesting, uh, you know, role and where this job has been the last couple seasons. It's one of those roles that you have to hit the ground running because the fans will turn on you fast. Um, so they're going to have to really look into who they want to coach this team. And we kind of made a list of names here and, you know, stop me when you find one that you like. But obviously I would say one of the big fish or big names that have been mentioned is Jose Mourinho. Um, I, he doesn't have any international experience, but he's, you know, I think one of the better coaches of all time in a cup format. So would this be the right coach for you in your opinion? For me, I think it's it's a tricky one, right? There's also a, of course, with Carlo Ancelotti, he was going to break this mold, but there's always been a, a desire to have a Brazilian manager of the Brazilian national team, right? You don't see a lot of it come outside of that Brazilian bubble too often. So the fact that they even they entertained Carlo Ancelotti was a big deal. Jose Mourinho, of course, speaks Portuguese, being you know from Portugal. Uh, which helps a little bit with the language, especially in Brazil. It would be it would be a good hire, of course, from a um, from his role and perspective. It's one of the biggest hires and managing managerial career roles he would have had. Of course, he's been and done it all, uh, and he doesn't have a national team title on his CV. There was talk at one point I thought of maybe him coming and being the, the men's national team. U.S. men's national team manager, which would have been a good fit. I think that time has passed. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'm him, how can you turn down Brazil if they come asking, right? Of course, they, he's been saying that that hasn't been the case. There's been no contact from them. He loves being in Roma. There was you know, recent discussion of him thinking he was going to end up in Saudi Arabia managing. I think he like basically said it's a done deal. I'm going to end up there at some point. So... Yeah, I mean, but from my perspective, he would be a great fit for them and, and would get the most out of that squad. Totally different experience, right, as a national manager than it is a domestic manager. Oh, it's completely different. But if you have, I feel like the cup experience as a club manager is the most important track record to have. And I feel like he, you know, he and he's, well, he's the, yeah, he's the master of the club of the tournament, right? In the knockout tournament. Yeah. So, you know, another name. Not Brazilian, like like you said, but Jorge Sampaoli was the Argentina coach. Has some experience with Chile as well. Do you think he'd be a good fit? Yeah, he he knows the he knows the the region, right? And I think again, it's going to be one of those things. If they if they want to look outside of a, a Brazilian name, you you have to look within probably within Comabal a little bit. Who are the hot managers there, um, and and who's kind of up and coming? especially some of these smaller, you know, Chile's not small, but it's not a powerhouse like an art. You wouldn't go after Ar You wouldn't go after, you know, Scalini, right? You're not going to get him to come in and take the role. Um, and you're not going to be able to get the guy from, you know, uh, or sorry, uh, Bielsa from Uruguay. Like he's not going to move laterally, yeah. right? So you're going to have to look at, a, you know, Peru or, and again, so I, I'm, I'm just not too versed in who's available down there. Um, but I think that, you know, you're looking at, like a you know, Palmieri's coach is he a fit that could yeah. be because you know like that's kind of your, yeah like you're kind of looking at managers like that in my opinion. Yeah, there's another one I wanted to you know throw out there. He's also in the uh, Brazilian league as well. Renato Gaucho, he's the Grêmio coach. They did really well. 
uh, this season, especially just being promoted and, you know, outperforming their status. So that's another Brazilian name that you could throw out. There's a really weird one. I don't think it would happen, but uh, Clemson Sal, the Porto coach, you know, he's Portuguese. He sp uh, speaks the language. So maybe, you know, they could go after him as a coach that, you know, could be could be a good hire but it's gonna be really interesting because it's not like brazil to kind of be a mess and i feel like they need to figure out this coaching uh you know hire asap as cup america's you know just a few months away just around the corner and you mentioned just how much of a mess they are but i think they're not that far off right because of course if you look at it on paper they're still arguably one of the most talented rosters in the world and so you just have to find that manager that understands and, and finds a way for them to play. Now, Neymar is not going to be available for you for Copa America. That's already ruled out as far as medical from the doctors. So, you know, you're looking at Vinny and, and Rodrigo, of course, you know, Richarlison up top. It's tough to place Neymar, but you still have all that talent there. And so it, from if you're looking at someone to come in, of course, Carlo Ancelotti would have been perfect because he has the experience with some of those high-name profile players. He works with Vinny and Rodrigo daily. So, you know, Again, though, you're looking at someone that comes in there. If they find the right hire, it's still, yes, the pressure is amped up by tenfold because it's Brazil, but you're not looking at a complete rebuild of a squad and no talent and loss of a generation of players. I think it's just how do you find that manager that can put them in the right place, in the right position, uh, and, and kind of excel that way. Um, I mean, someone that, Daniel, I know <laughs> this is an interesting one. I want to get your take <laughs> on it because you mentioned something to me earlier, and I was wondering why you mentioned it. This could be a little bit where you're leaning. I'm not sure. But you mentioned to me that Pep Guardiola could be his last season at Manchester City. Would he take something like this on? And would that be – Absolutely. I mean, could they Could they ever lose if he manages Brazil? Yeah, that's like the craziest one you could throw out if he, you know, was, I think he could, and we can just dive right into it, I guess. I think this is Pep's last season at, at city. I don't know why I think that. I just feel like after he, he had a whole like press conference after the club world cup and, you know, he mentioned how he hit every single trophy there was to win. You know, they just won the treble. We'll probably get some silverware, uh, like, you know, after this year, I feel like this would be a good time to walk away if you want to walk away at all, um, you know, with the FFP, maybe, you know, that kind of scares him off. If the, whenever that hits, he's jumping ship. But, you know, maybe he could go coach a national team like Brazil, or he could go to, you know, New York City FC, and he loves New York, and he could coach an MLS and be, you know, the first best coach to ever coach an MLS and make waves like Messi did when he, you know, came into MLS this year. So that's a, that's kind of what I'm thinking or he could just stay, you know, in Europe and coach Barcelona if Xavi was to step down. It's an interesting thought. I mean, I do think about it a little bit to your point. I mean, he's won everything. Of course, we've been hearing people talk about it at length. And yes, I get it. I would love to see it too. But there's no way he's going to do something like this where he goes and manages like a Burnley or not no. you know, the equivalent of a Burnley and takes them to Manchester City levels, which would be phenomenal. I think he has the skills. He obviously is one of the smartest, most tactically aware, savvy managers in the world. So I don't think it's a matter of of that. I just think he would never take on a project like that. Because why? Why would he do that and, and diminish his potential career? National job makes sense to me if he's going to leave Manchester City. It's an interesting one. I do agree with you what will happen once those you know FIFA fair play punishments come down and, and what the FA makes the, 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 you know, the ruling for, for Manchester City. 
will he leave then? How does that look if he just jumps ships and's like, hey, see ya, thanks for all these trophies. Now you guys get to, you know, hold the shit in my bag that I'm leaving you with. Um, New York City is an interesting one. Of course, he's part of the, the city football group with, with Manchester City. Um, and so there's connection there. It would be a great fit for the MLS. I think it would be fantastic for the MLS as far as just name and profile. Would the league allow some of the changes that he would want, of course, as a manager and with expectations? That's a different conversation. And maybe when he does make that move at that point in time, the league is in a different place. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you texted me this, I was kind of at first taken aback, but there is some potential to it. I just, I just don't see the, other than taking just a year off because he's done it for so long and he's seen everything. Like what is the, what is the actual benefit of him just saying, you know what guys, thanks for this. I'm going to, I'm going to pack up and, and roll my ship down the street. When you're the best, you can do what you want. So we've seen plenty of legends step away whenever they felt like it was time. They don't, but he's so, know, he's got by so much else's. to do, you know, like he's still a young guy and he's only in his early 60s. But he's won I, everything, right? right? He's won everything. Yeah. I mean, maybe that young. I mean, I might be giving him too many years, but you know, he's won everything and he's not old as a manager is concerned. He's still very, very young. Another team that this is kind of crazy, but you know, his brother does is the chairman of Girona. Could he go back? You know, he, ha he has a stake himself in Girona. Could he go and go back to Catalan and, and coach there? Yeah, he'll that be would be amazing. Barcelona. That'd be and, cool, right? And to that point, and because I and I love Citigroup, and Citigroup, but also where, where I was going to go next with you is is if Xavi gets fired or leaves, which ultimately you're hearing rumblings going on within within the you know La Liga news and circles that this is you know his job is kind of on the line this year. I think personally, if you're asking if if we were talking about who's going to replace him, I think. I think the manager from Girona would be that top pick for Barcelona. It's in, it's within Catalonia, which is a big deal. He, he obviously is making the most of what he has, which is a very limited resources and Barcelona. God knows right now that they are in a better place, but they're still fighting with limited resources. I don't think Pep can go back just because he's already done it once. So I don't think that there would be any interest there to do that. And I think that that would make sense if, if Xavi gets let go and things cascade that way, I think it would make that would be fantastic if if Pep went to Girona and just continued building what they have there. I think you could look at a power like Girona for for a, while, a long time based on what they're doing right now if that happens. But on on the flip side of that, you know, Barcelona haven't won the Champions League in almost a decade now. You know, they did win La Liga last year, but you know, they're not the same Barca as they were. So could Pep, you know, come back in after dominating in his era and then, you know, another stamp of approval? Barcelona made him this that is his home so you yeah, always no, have that it's so it's going to be really interesting to what Pep does in the next few years um because I I do think that this city chapter is winding down for him he's been there for a while now if you think about he it has, so, he has and, so, and there are uh, there's two more I want to discuss with you real quick because we we alluded to one uh the other day and of course the Ancelotti news changes things for him is is Xabi Alonso and, and where could he go? Of course, there's a lot of rumors right now floating out there and they're pretty concrete. And I, I'm not going to be surprised if this does happen because this has kind of always been the plan a little bit was for him to go to Bayern Munich to some extent. And it sounds like that the Bayern Munich hierarchy want that to happen this summer as well after Tuchel's contract signs out. Is that a done deal for you? Or is there another club that, that you know he just fits at? Of course, I think 
with with Real Madrid now closed, Bayern just makes the most logical sense to me. Bayern or Barca, those are the two names. Would he go I to Barca like, though after being a Real Madrid lesson, legend? Like, is that possible? It's still an attractive job, and he's, he is Spanish, so I, I don't I don't know. I guess he's probably a Madridista, so that would be a a big move for the headlines. But I mean, I feel like Bar, uh, Bayern's way more likely. It does make sense. And then the other one I wanted to get your thoughts on before we hear your take on the arguably the greatest championship side of all time, which I can't wait for, is is Allegri in, in, at Juventus. Of course, we've talked about Allegri ball and how much we just don't like the style of play. They still sit second in the table, though. And there's there are concrete rumors and rumblings of him leaving as well. If that does happen, regardless if they are second or not in Champions League positions, who who do you see replacing Allegri at Juventus. Zinedine Zidane. That's my that's my big name. He played at Juventus for a while. I mean, I feel like the two teams he'd go to is France and and Juve. And if it looks like Didier Deschamps doesn't want to leave after Euros, then I feel like he could you know take this job. It really depends on how France does. And do you? I mean, Deschamps thought about leaving before the Euros, but decided to stay on. Do you think he would want to do another cycle? I don't think another cycle, but I think to your point, if you see, if you see him do well at the Euros, I think it would be harder for them to get rid of him before the World Cup. Yeah, unless it's his choice to walk away, which again, that we, I, I'm not going to speculate for his where he's thinking about it. It changes things when you win too, right? If they, if they win this tournament, and he said that before, okay, but now we won. You know, we were in a semifinal, we're in a final. And we won it at the World Cup, and then we, you know, so there could be a little bit of payback and wanting to win that next one in, in 2026. I mean, everyone knows Zizou is lined up for that job. It's just a matter of when. And so if there is an opportunity for him because Deschamps not ready and he can go to Juventus and get a couple years under his belt and kind of re refine his tools, of course, he hasn't managed since Real Madrid a few years now. I think that's a good move for him. He played there. He's a legend of the club. Um, you know, he, 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 we know he doesn't like English or doesn't speak that much English. So premier league's probably out. Um, I think that would make sense for him to go there and give it a, a year, year and a half until after 2026. Again, it, a lot's going to depend on the summer, uh, with, with Didier Deschamps and, and the way that the French national team goes, but those are really the only two options for him is, is France and, and maybe a team like Juventus, like you said. Um, my other name was Tiago Mata. There's also been links with him leaving Bologna and going to Juventus. In He's the done summer. a fantastic job. So I think uh, if I'm Juventus, number one is Zidane. Number two is probably Tiago Mata. Um, and and there's going to be a lot. Of, there's going to be a lot of new rumors going around. Of course, things will dominoes will take shape and and teams will leave and and things will happen. And we'll keep you posted as much as we can. We're none of this is concrete or actually happening. Uh, probably other than the Xabi Alonso one uh, to Bayern Munich. But we'll keep you posted if we hear anything else. Just wanted to kind of discuss it and see what your what your take was, Daniel, on some of the managers that we've talked about. Uh, but now, like I said a couple of times, there was a discussion about. A team in the championship, of course, Leicester City, who famously won the the Premier League coming out of out of nowhere, similar to what Girona is doing right now in the La Liga table, and and of course they got relegated last season as part of the regular promotion relegation in in Premier League, and now they play in the championship, one tier down from the Premier League. And Daniel, you told me this morning that they are the greatest team in the England 
English championship championship of all time based on points and walk us through what that looks like and where they are. Of course, you would almost guarantee their promotion back to the Premier League, correct, based off what you're seeing. That is true. Um, I'd say on track to be. So I was taking a look. I did uh, you know, a little research within the past decade. So right now, 26 games played out of 46. Uh, wait, is it 46? I can't always remember what how many games they're split. But anyways, they had 65 points. Um, so with that, so Burnley technically is the best. Yeah, 46 matches played. They they were the best last year of all time. They broke 100 points. We're at 101. Most teams historically are in the 90s. So right now, I took a look at Burnley with 101 points, and Burnley won 29 games, drew 14, and had three losses. So if you're going off 46 matches, they've won, they won 29. Leicester have already won 21. So they're still, you know, that's only eight wins, and you have, you know, almost 20-something games left. So they are on a better track than Burnley, and they have a very deep squad, probably the best squad that we've seen in the championship. They honestly did not do that much selling in the summer. They've you know, made some good uh, loan signings. Cassidy from, from Chelsea is the heart of that midfield, um, and Vardy's still there having a party like always. So I, I wanted to bring this to light just because of what they've been doing. Obviously when you get to the finish line, that's when teams start to slip. That's when Burnley slipped last year, but uh, they are not far away. So, you know, I'll probably check back in on this in late February to see, but I think one Oh five is not a ridiculous, you know, point total goal that they could have. Yeah, it's, it's a remarkable story. Of course, they're 10 points clear of Ipswich right now for that second promotion uh, you know, guaranteed spot. Uh, the championship is one of the tables that everyone always keeps an eye on as, a, as an English fan. You never know who's going to go down or who's going to come up, and so you always keep an eye on those teams. Southampton, a notoriously strong Premier League side as well, are in third place. Of course, they would have to go into a uh, playoff. Uh, the best. Two through six is always, always fantastic with that playoff. Uh, a team that's near and dear to one of our friends' heart, uh, Norwich City, is only five points out of that playoff spot, so hopefully they can make a little bit of a run and get in there, and who knows? Uh, you have clubs like Sunderland, who who just played Newcastle the other day, and a notoriously massive club. Uh, if you don't know about what happened to Sunderland, go check out that story. Uh, but, of course, you have clubs like Middlesbrough, and it's just a, a, a fantastic league year in, year out, some of the most historic names of all time uh, in Leeds that league. Too. It leads as well, uh, and so it's just a fun league to keep an eye on. You mentioned it's a longer schedule just because there are a few more teams that play in that. And so, yeah, I mean, 10 points clear of, of Ipswich at the top is fantastic. Like you said, that roster is, is still pretty strong from their Premier League days. Of course, they have a few new players, a few players lost, you know, like, uh, like James Madison. But when you still replace that, you know, in, in Kieran Dewsbury Hall, who was fantastic before they went down, uh, you know, Dennis Pratt's still there, Jamie Vardy, like you mentioned, uh, they're still the class of the championship and um, it, it will be interesting to see if they get 105 points. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, we'll talk more championship as it gets closer. Again, the impacts of the three teams that go up uh, with the three teams that will go down from the Premier League. So we'll keep you posted on all that. And of course, it seems like Leicester will be part of that story for the entire season. And so uh, Daniel, 
it's a it's it's been a pleasure. Uh, we're back to regular scheduling. Uh, like I said before, all games are going to be kind of back in swing or all leagues will be back in swing this next weekend. Uh, and so we'll have a Thursday prediction show for you, of course. Bundesliga is back. We'll get some of those games on the docket. We'll look and review some of the midweek Carabao Cup games uh, with Chelsea and Liverpool both playing. And, and uh, you know, until then, hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you on Thursday.